Welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast, where we bring Sunday home. Join us as we dive deeper into First Baptist's weekly sermons, discuss practical applications, and answer your questions. Hello and welcome to the Beyond Sunday podcast. I'm Jordan Upton, and with me as always is Pastor Jeff Reynolds. Jeff, how are you doing today? Man, I'm great. Jordan, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. You know, I'm curious because we're going straight from Stephen to the Ethiopian eunuch with no Simon the Magician. Not learning no, about his, no, uh, no his Simon testimony. Magus in yeah. between. Uh, that's that's a phenomenal, you know, I guess we could have jumped on to Simon the Magician to see an example of what not to do. But uh, anyway, yeah. we're, going, we're going straight to the Ethiopian eunuch. I was thinking about that on the drive here today. Like, could you have a sermon on just like the bad examples for Max? You know? <laughs> yeah, the yeah. answer is of course, and there are plenty of bad examples. Yeah. But, you know, when when Peter says to the Simon the magician, may your silver perish with you, that's 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 pretty strong language. Yeah. So yeah. if you if you aren't familiar with that story, you should definitely go back and read it in Acts chapter eight. Yeah, so speaking of Acts 8, it starts with that story with Simon the Magician and everything that happens in Samaria with the believers there. And then it goes on into Philip's interaction with the Ethiopian eunuch. So we're going to talk about that story today. So if you haven't read Acts 8, uh, go ahead and read that, listen to Jeff's sermon, and you'll be caught up and ready for today's episode. So the Ethiopian eunuch, where does he fit in Luke's narrative of Acts? So it 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 seems like Luke is trying to say that the gospel starts in Jerusalem and then goes to the ends of the earth. He, he quotes Jesus as saying, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it seems like it progresses and acts pretty well through that to the ends of the earth. I mean, it really does. And, and that's what you see unfolding in the book of Acts. You have the proclamation of the gospel in Jerusalem. And then earlier uh, in, in Acts chapter 8, Philip proclaims Christ in Samaria. So Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now, you know, on the road from Jerusalem to Egypt, Jerusalem really to Gaza is what the scripture says, but but that's the road from Jerusalem to Egypt. You're starting to branch out to the ends of the earth. And so you are seeing the unfolding of Acts 1:8 throughout the book of Acts. And it, it continues on through the ministry of the Apostle Paul. And um, as you see the missionary journeys happen, as the, the gospel goes up into Europe and eventually makes it all the way to Rome. And so it's really a beautiful picture of what Jesus said, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, that happened in the book of Acts. Yeah. You know, I just read a quote from Ben Witherington III, who's a scholar, and he says that in Greek mythological geography of the world, Ethiopia represents the ends of the earth. Really? Yeah. So oh, that's cool. So he quotes here from Philostratus, from Philostratus's work, Life of Apollonius. Could you say Philostratus one more time? No. <laughs> but in said work, it says, Ethiopia covers the western wing of the entire earth under the sun, just as India does the eastern wing. Wow. Yeah, it's just a cool little, you know. Uh, you know, and, and it's just remarkable how God is God and um, how beautiful it is that he, he even got to us on the other side of the world, that didn't even know existed at the time. And so, praise be to God. Amen. Okay, well, we're going to just jump straight into the the cool stuff about this story. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot of cool stuff in the story. But, of course, I'm talking about Philip just 
snap your fingers, beam me up, to Scotty. A completely yeah. different place. Well, I think that's where Star Trek got the idea. It had to come from this. I don't know. Yeah. Well, so what? <laughs> why? <laughs> why is Philip uh, translated? Is sometimes the word I hear. Why is Philip translated from one place to a different place? Here's my deep theological answer. I don't know. And <laughs> sometimes when you come across something in the Bible and you're left scratching your head, I used to be in charge of adult discipleship at the church I served previously, and I would train our teachers. And part of the teacher training was to say, there is going to come a time when one of your students asks you a question to which you do not know the answer. Whether the answer it exists or not, right? you don't know it. And the most appropriate thing for you to say is, I don't know. The worst thing you can do is make something up on the fly and hope that it's not heresy, yeah. right? So, um, but I'll tell you, I, I really, I have no idea. I've always been kind of puzzled by this passage. I think it's it's obviously uh, an illustration of God's ability to do anything God wants whenever God wants. Um, there had to have been a reason for him to uh, to whisk Philip away, maybe uh, to get Philip away from the Ethiopian eunuch so that the Ethiopian eunuch would not rely codependently on Philip during his faith. I, I don't know, but um, it, it's, it's remarkable because this is not something that you hear about happening, but it's, it, it's, it's almost like, uh, to some degree, Enoch, who walked with the Lord and just wasn't because the Lord took him to heaven, or Elijah, who was taken up in the whirlwind by the chariots of heaven. Um, well, Philip was still on earth. He just went over to Azotus and then Caesarea. So I don't know why, but I believe it happened. Yeah. And, you know, in looking up uh, commentary on this passage, there are some biblical texts that, like, maybe could be taken as similar par- parallels. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some passages with Elijah before he's taken up where it says, you know, there, there's someone talking to him and he says, as soon as I have gone from you, the spirit of the Lord will carry you. I know not where now, yeah. you know, probably metaphorical. Sure. There. Um, and then similarly in second Kings two sixteen, it says, it may be that the spirit of the Lord has caught him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some Valley. Uh, Ezekiel kind of has a similar language, but it's in a vision. So he says, the spirit lifted me up and took me away. Uh, and you know, he went somewhere else. It was yeah. in a vision, but there's, there's a lot of language similar to that. There is a cool little story in a book called Bell and the Dragon, which is just a short little book in the Apocrypha. Um, the prophet Habakkuk is making food and the Lord says to him, take the food that you're carrying it and give it to Daniel, who is in Babylon in a pit of lions. So it's putting this story with the, the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And, you know, Habakkuk answered, Sir, I've never been to Babylon, and I don't know where the pit of lions is. So the angel grabbed the prophet by the hair and took him to Babylon with the speed of the wind. <laughs> so then he gives him food, and Daniel's like, you know, God, you have remembered me, and you have not abandoned those who love you. Then he got up and ate the meal, and God's angel immediately took Habakkuk home. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. Um, now, you know, it, who knows? I don't know. But little stories like that, and even the earlier proof texts in the Old Testament, just help kind of center this story with Philip, you know, it's just, it's not fantasy. Like, it's not just made up. It's not just out of the nowhere. Um, Even things that seem fanciful to us sometimes, if you look back in the Old Testament, you'll find examples that really contextualize them and make a lot of sense of them in the New Testament. Yeah. I mean, it's very interesting. Now, of course, we'll recognize that the Apocrypha is not seen as canonical, uh, Mm -hmm. and so we do not recognize its authority. But, But that, you know, 
that it's very true that there are hints in um, certainly in the Old Testament, but also in other literature um, that that things like this could have been done. And, and I'll tell you another thing. You know, you mentioned you mentioned Elijah. You mentioned Ezekiel. You know, there were some moments in Scripture where the miraculous was more prevalent. Mm-hmm. And typically in Scripture. Miracles are more prevalent in times when God is affirming the ministry of someone who is speaking or acting on his behalf. And so you look at all the miracles that happened around the time of Moses with everything that happened by the burning bush and everything that happened in Egypt. You know, God was affirming Moses and God was affirming his work through Moses um, with all the miracles that happened during that time. Same is true of Elijah and Elisha. God is affirming the prophet. God is, is saying, yes, this is my work, and here's evidence of that. It happened during the time of Jesus. God affirming Jesus as the Messiah, the one who had authority to heal and even to raise from the dead uh, and and over the physical world to walk on water and those sorts of things. Um, well, here, as the, the early church is expanding, what is God doing? He's affirming his work within the church. And so you see more of this miraculous stuff happening as God affirms this new ministry. And so... At the very least, I think that that is is part of the reason why this sort of beam me up, Scotty transition happens. Well, and I, I mean that's a a good suggestion for why Philip might have been lifted and taken to a different place was to confirm what he was saying to the eunuch. I yeah. mean, if you're the eunuch and you've gone through this, you know, it, I mean, you know, he's been baptized. It seems like he's very committed, but you know, imagine. Just that extra amount of testimony to what Philip is saying, if, you know, like other prophets of old who are carried away by the Holy Spirit, Philip is carried away to a completely different place. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. God has interesting ways of confirming and affirming his work, and uh, it's really it's really a beautiful thing to see. Amen. Well, and that goes really well into today's practical application question. So, God generally doesn't pick us up and carry us physically where we need to be. So how can we know where God would have us be for a moment or where we should be going in the future? Well, that's a great question. And it's a question that I think all of us wonder about from time to time. And I think there are seasons of life. You know, when I was a university minister, I spent a ton of time answering this question. Um, How do we know? Because I can't open the Bible and say, Jeff, this is where you go next. This is what you do next. But it's ongoing. I mean, it's it's constant. How do we know exactly um, where God wants us to be, when God wants us to be? And I think there's a couple things. One, I think that that we can know if we are actively engaging in sin— we are not where God wants us to be doing what God wants us to be doing. So, I mean, there have been times in my life when I've been in places I knew I wasn't supposed to be. And the Holy Spirit was bearing witness within my spirit. You need to get out. I mean, I was so uncomfortable. Um, well, that, that's clear evidence that you're not where you're supposed to be. But maybe you're thinking about, should I take this job? Should I move to this city? Should I move to this house? And, and maybe, maybe there's not a, a straightforward sin issue there. I think what we do is we commit our way to the Lord and, and, and spend time in prayer. 
you know, I'm a big fan of, of spending a season in prayer. I'm a big fan of fasting. Um, fasting is a great way to do a couple things. Number one, to illustrate to the Lord the earnestness of your prayer. In other words, when, I, when I'm in a time of fasting, one, I'm laying aside something, whether that's a meal or some activity, to focus myself in prayer and to pray instead of doing that thing. But the other thing is that I'm kind of asking myself, you know, if I really care about this, do I care about it enough to lay aside some sort of physical comfort, maybe the comfort provided by a meal, um, to spend that time seeking the Lord's will? So prayer, fasting, reading the Word, ensuring that I'm not engaging in anything overtly sinful, um, you know, when, when there's a transition from one job to another. You know, I want to try to be the kind of person that leaves a place well and begins in a place well. So don't construe that to mean that I'm going anywhere. I'm not. Uh, but, you know, as I've gone from job to job throughout the course of my life or as I'm talking with my son who's beginning to dip his toes into the world of work, you know, it's not just how you go somewhere, but it's how you leave somewhere, too. I think that says a whole lot about who we are as, as people. Um, and, you know, even in your transition, when, when you transition from being an employee of First Baptist Church to um, no longer working here, you know, I know that that was a thing that, that you spent a lot of prayer time over, you and your bride together praying, Lord, what is your will for our lives? And I think you made the absolute right decision. I was sad when you told me you were leaving employment here, but I think you did the absolute right thing. And, and God has provided the guy who's sitting next to me that you can't hear, Chad, Chadwick Walden, Chad. to step in for you. And, uh, and God made a way. So, so God not only gave you a calling to a new opportunity, but that then opened the door for Chad to step into a new role and for our church to take steps forward. And it was all positive. It was all good. So, you know, I, I think that those are some things that we can do. If, if you're overtly sinning, well, let me just say this. I mean, I've had people sit in my office over 20 years of ministry and say, oh, I'm cheating on my wife, but God's told me this is my soulmate, not the one that I married to. And I had to say, you're not hearing from God because God's not going to contradict himself. And you're not going to find the concept of a soulmate in the Bible. What you are going to find is the concept of commitment <laughs> unto death, do us part. Um, that's in there. Mm -hmm. But, you know. God is not going to contradict himself. God is not going to lead you in a direction that he has previously said, do not go in this way because it is sinful. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I think that those are some, some very easy ways that we can seek to ensure that we're headed in the direction God would have us to go. This conversation makes me think of Jeremiah 29. So Jeremiah the prophet is writing a letter to what he says are the surviving elders of the exiles and to the priests, the prophets, and to all the people whom Nebuchadnezzar had taken into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. So when the Jewish people were exiled to Babylon, he wrote them a letter, and he says in verse 5, "...build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for yourselves, and give your daughters a marriage, that they may bear sons and daughters, multiply there, and do not decrease." 
But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. So even though, you know, you go a couple of verses later and he says, you know, it's going to be 70 years that you're going to be in Babylon and then you can return and the exile will be over. He, he still says you should be prospering in Babylon. You should be growing there and praying for the welfare of where you are. So it's not an answer for like how you find if you're supposed to stay or go, you know, in this case, they knew they were supposed to stay there for 70 years, but you know, in that case, God said, you should be praying for the welfare of that place and you should be making it a better place. Yeah. There's, there's the way to, to be while you're waiting. So yeah. as we, as we wait upon the Lord, we still trust and follow the Lord. And that's what he's saying to the Babylonian exiles. Look, you guys are going to be here 70 years. 70 years is a long time. Uh, so, you know, don't just sit around doing nothing. Uh, while you're there, make a difference for good. <laughs> you know, seek the welfare of the city, for in seeking its welfare, you will seek your own welfare. Because, again, this is that passage where he says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And, and just as God knew his plans for the Babylonian exiles, he knows his plans for us too. I know there are people who say, oh, you can't apply Jeremiah 29, 11 to our lives today. Well, I think you can as long as you recognize that God was speaking specifically to those who were exiled to Babylon at this time, but he also has plans for us and he knows the plans that he has for us. And if we're in Christ, his plans are for our welfare. I promise you, go to heaven. You will talk to a lot of people who are experiencing the welfare of Almighty God. Why? Because he loves us and he We've been called according to his purpose, and, and his plans extend beyond our years on this earth. So so I say that to say I've recently seen some people make snarky remarks. Incidentally, snarkiness is not a marker of Christian maturity. Mm-hmm. And being being rude is not a marker of Christian maturity. And finding the holes in everything is not a marker of Christian maturity. I, that's, that's free today. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Yeah, God knows what he's doing. So so in the times between the times, I mean, I, I always get excited about times of transition. You get excited about times of transition. Well, you know, I've been at First Baptist Church for a little over eight years now, and I don't have any times of transition coming up that I'm aware of. Um, so there's times between the times. So there's how to be when you're waiting for God to lead to the next place. And I think there's a lot of wisdom in what you just said, man. Thank you, Jeff. The way to be while you're waiting. I, I really like that. Listeners, if you have a question about today's episode or just something in your walk with Christ, go to the link in the show notes or comment in the post below. Jeff, can you pray us out for today? Absolutely. Lord, you tell us in your word that if we lack wisdom, we should come to you, that you give it generously to all without finding fault. And we are so grateful for that. For Lord, we need your wisdom. We, we don't know what to do. We don't know when to do it, but Lord, we know that you do. And we know that you guide us through your word and by your spirit. And we pray that we would be receptive to that guidance. And Lord, if you wanted to beam us up and transport us to somewhere different for a minute, that'd be cool too. But given that that's typically not the case, help us to be wise in the waiting and to know when you're leading us to whatever's next. Help us glorify you in everything we are and everything we do. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to our channel. To submit a question about Sunday's sermon, the Bible, or walking with Jesus, click the link in the episode description. 
Our hosts today are Pastor Jeff Reynolds and myself, Jordan Upton. Our engineer is Elliot Beckley, and our editors are Chadwick Walden and Fu Ying Engdahl.